So hopefully we can get actually get Cesar on uh, to join us uh, in a little bit uh, to kind of talk about all these other different different topics that we kind of touched upon with uh, Coach Echeverry. Uh, but we want to get we I'm sure you guys want to want to get our uh, points of view with uh, with all of these things. And let's go ahead and start with the first one. And you touched upon it with uh, Coach Echeverry, which I was like. <laughs> I was, I was concerned of, you know, because it, it is such a really touchy subject, um, that I honestly didn't, didn't think that Coach Chichere was going to give a, a, you know, an answer to, um, mm-hmm. and I know, I know, and I, and I, I know that you know what I'm, what I'm talking about, Ray, um, yeah. no comment, uh, but, no comment. uh, yeah. what are your thoughts regarding that article by The Athletic, where they mentioned that they went to the USLPA, and they gave them two uh, documents. I don't want to say offers. They're, they were referred to as documents. So one of them said that, correct me if I'm wrong, Gray, one of them said that they wanted uh, a 20% pay cut across the board for USL championship uh, players. And I believe the other one had to do with player contracts if the league decided to not come back for the 2020 season? Um, I think if at any point the league does come back, the 20% sounds pretty fair because you don't know if these games are going to be played at each of the local sites. Mm-hmm. All of these games will be played at the IMG Academy. Nobody knows. I mean, at, at this point, there could be a, um, uh, I mean, nobody knows at this point because with with how everything is on the West Coast right now, that they're getting hit pretty hard, and also uh, in the East Coast because you've got your Hartford Athletic, you've got your um, your New York Red Bulls too, you've got a little bit of of everything going on right now. So uh, there's uh, no uh, there's nothing um, to really say, okay, we're going to all meet here like the way the MLS has proposed at this point. So uh, there's, there's that point of view uh, to look at. So one of the biggest concerns for me is, you know, in USL, players really aren't paid a lot of money compared to MLS or other leagues, uh, much less in Europe, like more specifically Premier League, um, La Liga. And the reason I mentioned these leagues is because those are leagues that news came out that teams were, I think this was on a team-by-team basis, not necessarily Mm -hmm. a league-wide basis, but teams were trying to uh, discuss with their players to take a pay cut during this uh, COVID-19. And you're talking about million dollar or more than multi-million dollar contracts, you know, mm-hmm. but you look at the USL, you really aren't paid that much money. And you're a lot of these players. And I'm kind of referencing another athletic uh, article that came out a while back regarding, you know, compensation, you know, a lot of the, a lot of players don't have health care. This is before USLPA came into the league, but the CB, their CBA, there it hasn't been what discussed at all with USL yet, right? I think that's what I saw no. this article. No, not yet. But there, but there have been a lot of players uh, throughout social media yeah. that they do stand by the uh, players' association. Whether something was discussed at, at some point before this season began or whatnot, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's been. Uh, an item that's been on the table. So um, at, at this point, it is uh, safe to uh, say that there that those conversations have taken place, but not, uh, but nothing has been uh, made uh, public. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. And then one of one other thing where you said like, oh, these players don't make that much money. I'm going to give you a nice prime example. Adam John. Remember him? Yes, I remember Adam John. Yes, that guy that scored that uh, ridiculous penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, he got signed by Atlanta United. 
his contract was only paid up to $20,000 to Rising FC for just for Adam John to get that standard MLS contract. Mm-hmm. Let's put that into perspective. $20,000, which to you and I may be a little bit of a fortune because of, of the amount. But if you take a look at it from a standpoint where you are at from a club or in terms of negotiating, it's really not that much, especially for a team that's like uh, categorized as a second division in the United States. It, it, it's really pennies on the dollar. It is. If you want to look at it that way. It, I mean, it, I mean, it is. It, it's it's really not a lot of money. And that's because, like you said, it's an entry, it's an entry level MLS contract. And, you know, imagine how much, you know, these, you know, these players that are in, in the, in the USL, how much they're being, they're, they're, they're getting, they're getting paid. Plus also the fact, Oh, uh, Amber alert, Van Zandt County, Texas, uh, 14 year old, uh, white female, uh, Willow sermons. So people, if there's people listening near Van Zandt County, Texas, be on the lookout uh, and check your local media. Just got, received the Amber Alert. Uh, I love uh, uh, I love uh, sharing this kind of information because you know, one kid you know uh, kidnapped, it's too much. So whatever we can help uh, to get these kids back to to their rightful home, the better. And now we're going to go ahead and uh, introduce and actually welcome back uh, our. Official photographer for Down in the Valley, Cesar Cortez. Cesar, how are you doing, man? It's been a while. I can't hear you. Peekaboo, Cesar. Cesar. You. So anyway, uh, while uh, uh, he gets his audio sorted, you know, one of the things that was in that particular article that I was referring to was that a lot of these players don't even, didn't even have health care. You know, so... You, you're getting compensated very little uh, compared to other leagues, compared to other players, mm-hmm. and you're already uh, you're already gonna be told that there's a possibility you're gonna get a twenty percent pay cut. It's a lot. It's it, it's a lot of yeah. It's a lot of it's a, like a big time lose lose. And now take a look at it from this example. Okay, you're talking about those teams that are independent. Let's let's take a look at those that are. Two teams like your Portland's, like your, like those, like mm-hmm. us, the uh, NYRB, uh, New York Regulars yeah. too. So you got to take those in for an example. Do those guys get some some sort of a coverage when they're in uniform because they're part of a MLS organization? Because mm-hmm. that's that's uh, that's a, that's a two way battle that you got. That you gotta face you. You've got your two teams. You've got your indie teams. Mm-hmm. That that that's the thing that you've uh, got got to put on the balance. So we're also welcoming back Jacob Young. Jacob, have you been, man? What what what's what you've been doing while while we've been out? Been doing a lot, and yeah, just glad to be back a little bit. And I guess we're gonna talk about some soccer i finally still don't know necessarily what too much is in the news for that besides of course leaks trying to open up mm-hmm. it should be interesting with usl and all that fun stuff and then of course yeah it's going to be interesting with the topic that you're talking about right now which is of course people trying to get paid for usl or just usl deciding to pay more yeah d- well, definitely this isn't the issue of oh if they're trying to get paid more here, uh, Jacob. I mean, right now the leagues. Uh, if if you're not opening up a shop, I mean, the league's not seeing any type of money at this point. I mean, right right now, I mean, I'm pretty sure the your indie teams that put put that into perspective. I mean, it's kind of smart for the USL to kind of come up with this uh, negotiation ploy for a, a lot of these players. At, at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point that they're not getting paid, and that's true. And of course, yeah, the players aren't going to be able to get paid. It's not that they're not getting paid. It's not that they're not getting paid. I mean, right now, with everything being on hiatus, and maybe all the money is being lost at this point, um, you you, kind of have to look at it from this perspective from all these indie teams. Is it is it good enough to keep the salary structure at what we're at, or do we tell all teams across the board we need a twenty percent pay cut in order to kind of finish out the season? Because I don't want to see another NASL uh, part three or four, whatever your know, reincarnation season that they could uh, face here, and 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 the USL fall into those uh, shadows. So. That's just a, one of the things that I think that the league is just uh, trying to protect and just asking these players like, hey, get, just take a 20% pay cut as we try to resume play here and hopefully things uh, can be uh, sorted out. Yeah, the big thing about them resuming is where are they going to resume? We know what the USL is doing. That's a smart decision there. I 100% agree because, of course, the number one goal, you got to freaking quarantine, and that is very simple. And then, of course, so, yeah, we're going to have one – we should have one base just like that, and it's going to not only take, of course, just pay cuts and all that. Guess what? you still got sponsors to impress, whether you're the USL, whether you're HEB Park, or, you know, every single team has to impress – uh, their sponsors have to get revenue from them somehow, and that's exactly what. So, yeah, we're looking at that type of situation most likely. And, yeah, for the pay cut, I would totally understand until things get going. But guess what? You're probably not going to see fans for the whole entire season. And I know it sounds crazy. People are talking about that they're going to be able to go to sporting events come August and October, but – that's when it's supposed to peak back up. But that's besides the point. Yeah, you bring up some good points, Ray. That you know, they're gonna, they're probably gonna have to take the pay cut. Which, in my opinion, that's okay. You resume some play if it's in one local place with every team possible, at least in the West and the East. They don't have to play against each other until a championship game. Mm-hmm. I think that's doable. So, so we're back online, guys. Uh, sorry, sorry for for these connection issues. I promise that by next week, now once I'm back in Houston, things are going to be a lot smoother because connection uh, internet's a lot better over there. It's the only thing I'm missing from Houston right now. Um, but anyway, so we were ta- we were talking about this whole issue about uh, about going back. Now he- here's that. So now here, here's the thing that I do that I do want to ask Jacob because you you, me- you mentioned about you know playing uh, behind closed doors, and one of the one of the questions that was brought up um, in this in that discussion is you know how are these players going to sustain themselves or, or not the players the teams you know I think it was somebody from the Athletic mentioned that the USL met with Sagan. It was Jeff Reuter. So Jeff, yeah, exclusive USL writer. (laughs) Um, But what I was going at, you know, uh, he said he mentioned that the sources told him that the USL met with USL Championship owners and asked them what would be better if the. USL season for 2020 was canceled completely or going back with empty in an empty stadiums. And I believe he mentioned that most of the owners said might as well just cancel the season, that it was going to be less, uh, it was going to make less of an impact in their budget in, uh, for these owners to just cancel the season than playing the games uh, under, um, you know, under behind closed doors. What are your thoughts on that? And I'll go with Cesar uh, first because I know he hasn't talked uh, so far. Um, honestly, I wouldn't see a problem with that, considering that well, majority of the clubs they do rely on ticket sales, to, you know, uh, uh, for income. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but another thing, another thing, um, and it was funny because this was recently done. Uh, look at the latest WrestleMania. What did they do? They did it behind closed doors, right? Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a, I think it was a pay-per-view event or something like that. I can't really and remember. And it did but pretty well. It did. Undertaker's match was damn near comeback season-ish. <laughs> but, um, you know, they did it behind closed doors. That's what they're continuing to do now. They recently had um, a Money in the Bank on, I think it was yesterday, a pay-per-view event. And, you know, it, it did all right. I don't know exactly, like, how many people chimed in or anything, but... You know, that's another option. Why not why not play behind closed doors? You know, there's there's less risk of infection. It'll be a new atmosphere for the fans as well because this time we'll actually get to hear how the players interact with each other on the field rather than listening to commentators. Well, I mean, there's still going to be that whole there's still going to be cameras out there. There's still going to be people filming. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be no actual, you know, if you're down the street from the stadium, you're not going to be able to go unless you got it media pass mm-hmm. and even and even then you know it, yeah it's it gonna all be comes, scarce yeah yeah uh, it's like coach Echeverry said uh earlier in the interview is like would we knowing that there's this that they're traveling into places that might have a higher risk and let's say the valley of people infected with COVID-19 would you feel comfortable to going in and covering the team or their play uh, or the other team's players you know, for us, for me and Ray, it was like, well, it does make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I know not everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. A lot of more people are be like, well, you know, if it happens, it happens, or, or they feel comfortable that they won't be a, a, as inf- uh, as affected by this virus if they were to contract it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but um, I on, honestly, I, I I think that if it comes to that, I think just scrap uh, scrap the season and start fresh. Give the give the teams time to prepare. Uh, for the 2021 season, um, Ray, what is what is your thought on that? You know, another thing that Jeff Reuter did bring up was trying to possibly do a divisional play, and one of the things that that, that I really liked about the idea, a you, although the risk is still there for contracting this, the reduced travel for a lot of these teams that that they won't lose a lot of money uh, via traveling, which is one of the things. Now, one of the other things that uh, that Reuter may have not mentioned, but he kind of like uh, danced around that question is to have everyone play at the IMG Academy in Florida or have everyone play at their own stadiums behind closed doors and albeit with a, uh, a a divisional structure, which has been discussed with the USL owners at this point. Uh, so that so there's that on the table to be in discussion for. Wasn't MLS going to go down to Florida and do that? Or they were proposing that, no? They were yes, proposing Orlando. That. Orlando, yeah. And the IMG Academy is in Bra- uh, Bradenton, uh, Florida, which is not too far off from Orlando. So with this, with this in mind, this discussion about, you know, where these, where these teams are going to get revenue, all the expenses that teams have to go through, not, not to mention as well, you know, with, you know, the expense of play, paying the players, you know, another question that was brought up in discussion with, uh, I think it was, I think it was also with Jeff Reuter because he was the one, or who was it that, that did that article regarding the, do- the documents? Let me look at it right here. Je- Jeff Reuter. Yeah, it was Jeff Reuter. So one of yeah, the Jeff was... Reuter, the, the king of the USL, aside from Nipun Chopra. Uh, it looks like, uh, just FYI, it looks like uh, Kembo Kibato lost. In yeah, I just saw that. 2-1. Two, two hey, you know what? It, it They had to use a, a, a pro gamer to, to beat Kembo Kibato. I think that says a lot of good things uh, about, about Kembo. So I, apl- I applaud his run. It was... I mean, it, it it was fun while it lasted, but if a New York Red Bulls is gonna play dirty like that, I I I have I've lost a lot of respect for EU for the USL for allowing this this to happen. You know, this was supposed to be something fun for, within the players and within the organizations, and they bring in a, a pro a pro gamer. I mean, 
Wait, they brought an actual esports pro? He represents New York Red Bulls at EMLS. I thought this was like Mike LaBelle. Mike LaBelle. AKA Dirty Mike on. on Oh, that dude. That dude is hilarious because let me tell you something. He looks at my Instagram stories. So that that is absolutely hilarious. But yeah, I thought this was kind of an esports whole deal too, as in like that was legal. That was around the realm of possibility is to get your esports players in. Now, from from what I heard originally, it was supposed to be a uh, players only, like like team members only uh, tournament, and I'm guessing they I'm guessing they modified it in between the playing round and this round. Um, I just don't like I said I just don't think it, I, I don't think it's fair that that the, and it just shows how scared they were uh, near Red Bulls uh, uh, against Kembo Kibato. So huge props to Kembo. Hopefully, we can have him on uh, soon. Uh, hopefully next week uh, on the Atlanta Valley, kind of get his, his thoughts on, uh, on that. Uh, but going back into the topic, what I was trying to talk is, you know, one of the things that they mentioned is, okay, knowing all of this, would this pay reduction that is being proposed to USLPA, with, would you consider this a compromise to allow teams to financially uh, bear with with this crisis compared to if they don't do it, the players keep on getting played at their full contract value, but you run into the risk of teams folding because they can't handle this expen- all of these expenses without the revenue of tickets uh, or uh, concessions. I mean, do they still get... Um... Do they still get some kind of income when they air the games on ESPN Plus? Ray, I believe it is a the league redistributes the money that they received from the rights by ESPN Plus to each individual team. Am I right? That's, that's a very good question, you know, because let let's just put this in, in into context. So, say uh, a new team decides to open up. That's approximately anywhere from five to ten million dollars that the league is already getting for uh, an acceptance of a new market. Hence, uh, Monter- uh, Monterey, California, jumping uh, from Fresno. Fresno, uh, Fresno relocated to Monterey in California, so therefore, there's no money being made there for the USL. However, one of the markets that the USL, at least for the championship level, where they were looking at is in Rhode uh, in the northeast in Rhode Island, or mm-hmm. in the mass in the or in the main area, to try to get a, a new championship team. So that's anywhere between five million to ten million dollars that they're making, and approximately eighty percent of that money that they're making uh, goes to a broker company, which only leaves about anywhere from a million to two million dollars for the USL to, op- to operate in. Now, as far as the revenue money that they get from ESPN, I don't have those numbers in front of me. I, I don't know what that information may look like, but that uh, that that is something to investigate to see how they how they, they distribute the monies between the, thir- the 33 teams in the league. Because just remember, a lot of, a lot of the content that goes up to ESPN Plus like your college sports, your USLs, and all this stuff, it's uh, it's basically done with uh, local people and not using their uh, support staff, per se. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that ESPN is responsible for is the uh, providing, like the play, or the only thing that the USL is responsible for is providing the play-by-play while ESPN, the only thing that they're responsible for is like distributing the game for those that have ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever comes in, comes in. But uh, just remember, uh, if they have like, uh, I, I don't know, uh, 60, 60, uh, million, 60 million subscribers, okay? And at, uh, and at 55 uh, bucks a piece. So let's take 
uh, 60 million uh, subscribers. You mu you multiply that by by fi by 55. That's uh, it's a big number. 3.3, big mm. number. But out of out of that 3.3, how much of that goes to the USL, and what are the USL grabs from that? Uh, how, how are you going to distribute that to your League One teams and your League Two teams? Which is why it, it, it was very smart of, our, of the Toros to open up their online shop and, and they'll have that money to uh, as revenue to come in to sustain. Now, I, I can't tell you what other USL championship teams do as far as like their online marketing store, stuff like that to kind of like continue making uh, revenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, de definitely. By the way, guys, I did buy my my shirt at the online team store. Uh, they had uh, they the the turnaround was actually pretty quick, you know, uh, considering yeah, the, the considering good. the situation. Well, well done, Charlie uh, Sepulveda, the team store uh, team store uh, manager. Well done, Charlie. Definitely, mm -hmm. uh, Cesar, you want to say something? Um, no. As far as um. As far as the numbers go, yeah, we don't exactly have, you know, how much of what is being distributed to where or to what teams or anything. But now that Ray mentioned it, yeah, you know, don't don't they also show the the League One games as, on ESPN yes. Plus? Yes. So it makes me wonder how is USL doing as a whole, not just championship, but you know, League One and two. Well, I know, I, I know. In the case of uh, Forward Madison hashtag Flamingo, um, they've been doing they, they've been doing uh, real uh, real well at promoting their online merch. They've got the uh, the Madison against COVID uh, nineteen uh, match tickets per se. Five, it's ten dollars a ticket. Five of the five dollars goes towards uh, local businesses uh, that need. Um, that require that require funding, you know, to in order to accommodate for foods, uh, towards healthcare workers and, and stuff like that to cater to the essential workers uh, there in the Madison, Wisconsin area. And then the five dollars, well, it goes uh, towards being able to maintain the funding for uh, Forward Madison. Uh, so I think that's I think that's something that is I guess you can say it's real unique that they've been able to market well. I mean, you're talking about I think uh, as of this morning it was forty. Uh, 41 states where somebody, one person from each of those 41 states, uh, including me, uh, purchased a ticket uh, for, uh, for, for this cause. Uh, so you're talking, so you're talking about they are doing their job at, in the marketing aspect uh, in social media. And they're doing it really, really well. Uh, but I don't know about the rest of uh, US, USL League One, uh, to be honest. Uh, I know there were some that were struggling to begin with. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's a really interesting subject, but until we have some confirmation from that question that we've had of how this, these TV rights or these broadcasting rights by ESPN Plus work as far as funding for each individual team in USL Championship and USL League One, that's a really big question that, you know, we can't really have an answer to the original question of, you know, how are these teams going to be able to survive if we don't, if they don't get the pay cut that they, that the USL wants from these players, how will some of these teams, how will these teams survive uh, this time if there is no, if there's no uh, games being played or if uh, they're played behind uh, closed doors. Uh, so moving on to the next, uh, to the next topic, uh, obviously one of the things that I had uh, mentioned Cesar or in actual in the group chat, uh, had to do with, uh, you know, the esports. you know, we just talked that, uh, Campbell Kibato got his run ended, um, in my opinion, unfairly by, um, Mike LaBelle, a professional EMLS player for, uh, for Red Bulls, uh, who was chosen to represent Red Bulls too in this EUSL cup. Uh, but you've also had the EUSL Rocket League edition, uh, which I totally bombed out. So uh, sorry about that, guys. I didn't I'm, even. Try I'm sorry. My hand. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm just gonna be. I'm just. I'm just gonna say it. I'm sorry for uh, put, uh, putting you all down, or you know, disappointing you all uh, against uh, uh, Logan Ketter of El Paso in that Rocket League tournament. Um, 
But hey, at least at least a statement can't be applied to you. Up one, nine seconds to go. Remember that one? I remember that one. Okay, good. <laughs> but uh, what are your thoughts? Because also you've had RGVFC helping down in the Valley with the uh, fan FIFA 20 uh, tournament that, that, that we hosted. What are your thoughts on esports within the USL? You know, is this a viable future for for the for the teams i think right now it's a um not really um a permanent solution but i guess you could call like a band-aid solution because um you know right now those teams or these organizations they need to get um they need to get content out you know the the fans are waiting but you know there's only so much that they could do right now with um with the pandemic that's going on but you know, it's something's better than nothing. Sometimes you got to take what you can get. Mm-hmm. And and the, in the case of um, getting esports content out there, the fact that the players are actively involved with this makes it a whole lot better. It feels like it's, you know, to me, it feels like they're giving back to the community, giving back to their, um, giving back to their loyal fans. So that way they can show that they have, you know, you know, we're still in this. We're down, but we're not out. You know, we're all in this together, all that good stuff, uh, you know, for the time being. Jacob, I know you have a whole lot of experience when it comes to, with esports, with, uh, especially within iRacing. Uh, you've seen it in, in your, uh, within racing, you know, with NASCAR, with Formula One, uh, these, uh, these organizations turning into the world of esports and iRacing. Uh, to try to keep the try to keep the season alive uh, for so, for some of these drivers. What are your thoughts uh, on this aspect? Yeah, this aspect, I think it's pretty good. Um, of course, the racing side of things too. Of course, the FIFA and Rocket League and all that. It's one hundred percent different than, of course, you know, like they're they're two different things. You use your thumbs to play with FIFA, which is, I mean, it's great. Yeah, like Cortez said, it, it's a big thing of, well, you're just 100, like, yeah, you're giving back to the community for sure. And that, that's an interesting, an interesting, of course, way of just, yeah, saying it. And then, of course, you got to get content out. And that, uh, that is big time true. And then, of course, I mean, we all know some way or somehow we might get real soccer back in the future and things like that. But yes, it's been fantastic. You look at the views, of course, they're up because people are wanting live sports, which is why, of course, now you've seen ESPN kind of cover a lot of these esports events. Fox, of course, did a, the big one for NASCAR before NASCAR announced their return this weekend, which will be epic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it's big. It's fantastic. It gets people excited about these games that at this point would crash and burn. Besides Rocket League, FIFA, every single year, it's hot for the first month. It's, or the first couple of months. By December, it's pretty big again because people get that for Christmas then by around this time it is dead because people figure out it's not that good every single year. It just gets worse and worse. Don't get me wrong. EA sports does not know how to make a good game anymore. And that is sad, but true. Look at the old games. That's all I'm really going to say about that. But yeah, it's just, it's great. I, I, I'm enjoying it and it's cool. I personally, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I personally regret having bought FIFA for, for my piece, uh, for my PC, uh, recently I think it was like oh two weeks ago I had that problem where the names wouldn't show up. Oh yes. Um, career mode it just just crashed on me completely. I couldn't even edit my player. None of that. If you have it on PC, why don't you just why don't you just buy uh, or not buy but actually download like the a uh, couple of program or tools that they use so you can actually edit you know career mode stuff. You know, without going into that uh, that edit edit player thing and running into that fifty uh, year old bug, where all of a sudden, like your players are like fifty year olds, like after you edit them inside of career mode uh, within the within the in game tool. 
plus also plus also uh uh you might want to try I'll, I'll send you the files to the FIFA, to the rgvfc mod uh give give that a try and see where let's see where you can take the toros uh in in your career mode uh but what i also wanted to say and going back with jacob is you know how bad is fifa or actually how bad is pes who uh, a lot of even diehard pes fans have said that fifa or that pes 20 was absolutely horrendous you know oh, i yeah, think they- a couple of years ago, they lost the Champions League. They've lost a lot of stuff. They only have a couple of the teams. But even the gameplay, I think the gameplay kind of was 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 a huge letdown uh, this year for for Pest Twenty. So I guess twenty twenty just really wasn't the year for uh, for for these uh, soccer games, whether FIFA or Pest. And you look at FIFA in the Xbox uh, Store, and it's like one point five star rated. You know that, that that's how bad that's how bad this this game has been. Do they still uh, got Liga MX? Well, to be fair, and I was actually going to make a comment about E Liga MX is the fact that right now nobody cares anymore, Mm-mm. and I think it all goes back with how the format is. And that, and I mentioned it to Omar Ceron, a reporter you, from Monterrey. I said, I really enjoyed. What? Yeah, you heard me. No, you something me. about Tigres. <laughs> Well, I what I told him was what, what I told him was that the the way that the USL did their did their uh, tournament brackets, I th- the fact that each week is it basically start from scratch with, as far as the point system and the elimination bracket, it kind of keeps you as long as obviously as long as your team is still participating, but it it keeps you. Uh, into it, it keeps you focused into it. You want to see these games because you got something on the line. But the E League MX, they went with the real life format of the tournament, or of eighteen weeks, uh, uh, all these games where you just earn points. Really, there's really nothing on the line, so people just lost. And the fact that some of these broadcasts have been horrendous by uh, Tudene, really, people stopped caring about it. And uh, so, if done right, esports can help the marketing and, and, and the relevancy of, uh, of the leagues. But if they do it wrong, nobody's going to, nobody's going to care. Yeah. Uh, so Ray, your, th- uh, your thoughts on this, uh, on this esports before we go on to our final topic, uh, Andrew, wrap up the show. Uh, you know, it, I haven't been much into this esports stuff uh, primarily because I mean, just the hardware itself sometimes can be a, a bit out of price range, but yes, it, it, it has kept me entertained. Uh, from time to time, and, and yes, uh, I, I I will lose my man card in watching the uh, E Liga MX just to get my sports bill in, and some of the other other alternative things that I've done is uh, watching uh, people uh, break open uh, sports cards, which is a, a, a hobby which might be cra- crawling back if real sports don't come back to life uh, soon. Uh, but yeah. uh, going back to the esports thing, it's just something that you know it's a it's it's a welcomed uh, distraction. You know, get to see real uh, the real players uh, handle these uh, devices and and provide some sort of uh, entertainment. So last topic, Speaking of price. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Real quick, uh, Sasa. Speaking of price range, I tried to get into sim racing. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I agree with Ray on that. That one's a little out of my price range right now. <laughs> I know Jacob has a few pointers on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think how much I, I think uh, I've seen, like, uh, some of these rigs that were on the uh, on the NASCAR iRacing uh, by some of these drivers who were, like, so, like, really, really sophisticated, like, even, like, motions, like, like it, it did motion stuff like that, and like you're talking about thousands of dollars invested in that thing. That's, that's crazy. Like even just buying a set of pedals and a set of, and, and a wheel, uh, can be a little bit pricey for for those that, that don't have that don't have a lot of money and don't have a lot of income. You know, ima- imagine some of these pro guys, how much they've invested to get uh, some of the best stuff. If you don't have any, uh, uh sponsorship from 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 these manufacturers. So mm-hmm. it's esports. It, it does take a lot of money and a lot of investment uh, of your time as well. Uh, but going on into the final topic. So today was officially announced that RGVFC uh, Toros Academy uh, will be joining the new MLS uh, Youth Elite uh, Youth Elite 
Development Academy. Uh, it's the new youth academy that MLS is starting to bring, uh, uh, starting to create. Uh, obviously, all 26 MLS clubs are going to be part of it. Uh, but also, you've got, I think it was like 60-some uh, non-MLS teams, including RGVFC, including Phoenix Rising and San Antonio FC, uh, that will be a part of, uh, of of this league. But what are your, but what are your thoughts on RGFC taking this decision to go into this uh, MLS Academy, and apparently also at the same time for some of the age groups being a part of the USL Academy uh, league? Yeah, it, it's it's weird. I guess yeah, I'll start. It's definitely weird considering they've had problems in the past with just the youth development in general, which is crazy to say, but this is true for RTBFC. I know three players right off the top of my head, of course, you know, my cousin and his two friends, they were a part of the, whatever the old one was called. The DA? Idea Academy, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. The, the GA Academy. And, you know, up until a certain point, you don't have good coaching in the USL, which is, of course, that's normal, I guess, if you don't necessarily take the right steps to getting the best youth coaches out there. And so, yeah, you know, it, splitting them up once again, just like you did the first time, that's not going to work. You have some of them, just like you said, in the USL development program, and then another part of an age group in the MLS development program or whatever else that's called the Yida, I think is Y-E-D-A basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just, you don't, you're asking for a little bit of a disaster. I know that that is harsh or not necessarily harsh, but it's like, yeah, you're just splitting up two age groups. One's going into a USL Academy learning that style of soccer per se. And then another is going into MLS Academy, learning like MLS Youth Academy, learning that style of play too, because guess what? There's a little bit of a difference. One's going to expect higher pace. Another one's going to expect a little slower pace because it's like just out of college stuff. And you got to teach them how to play adult soccer. And and so it's that whole thing of just, no, you shouldn't do that. You have to keep one together. That's why the DA was so good because you didn't have that type of split up. Yes, you had divisions kind of, but they were playing against actual teams fighting for, you know, in, in these big tournaments, they, they were playing teams that they would normally play and they were playing the Houston dynamos. It, it, like, it, like it was a whole thing. The Houston dynamos, um, a youth Academy. So, like, now you're just dividing that up? I don't think that's going to work. Right. Well, Jacob, uh, just to counter uh, counter you a little bit there, uh, why do you think the USDA is shut down all of a sudden? They didn't have enough funding. No. I call BS were, on that. Uh, I call BS on that, too, because – the only reason why it shut down is because the U.S. Soccer Federation realized that there was a lot of money going into into that while they were facing uh, litigation from – or not litigation, but they were facing uh, the legals from the uh, U.S. women's team. And and you, t- you take that in per- into perspective in, in, how, in how they had to face that. And then you also add the fact that uh, that okay, we're shutting down the USDA, but now it's going to be up to like uh, the USL clubs and the MLS clubs to, uh, you know, start providing uh, their own fruit and their own uh, and their own uh, labors to try to uh, provide for the future of of the United States soccer. So there's. There's that point of view to look at, and I and I think it, 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 it's quite well that um, that the three teams that the the RGVFC Academy uh, can do like your U15, your U17, and your U19s to have three separate teams, and then eventually make one super team to compete against these uh, 
uh, these uh, b bigger teams like your the own Houston Dynamos against uh, Frisco against the uh, the the Flying Cows of New York and and all these other teams uh, academy teams to you know try to provide the uh, try to provide some sort of foundation for for United States soccer. I, I think I think that this is a little bit of a better idea than what the DA had because the DA kept receiving money, but it just did not know uh, how how to do the development uh, process of it. Yes, the the IMG Academy was kind of like their home base, uh, but but so what? At the end of the day, you you needed to see uh, kids get developed and not stalled, and, and I think that's where I, I that's where you want. Uh, where that's where one should have seen the the United States uh, Soccer Federation say, you know what, we had a mea culpa with the DA, and we messed it up big time, and now we're just giving it to you, MLS, and you, USL Championship, plus your 60-plus odd teams from California that are not affiliated to uh, try to be the face of the youth of U.S. soccer. And real quick, you say, of course, the super teams. It's funny. A lot of players, just like I said, left the DA Academy of uh, the Toros. And I'm pretty sure that, that happens all around the nation, which that's a big thing as well. And so what I'm trying to say here is I think you can find better talent in the high school levels now than you will find in the DA level or whatever it's going to be called now. And no, just, yeah, I mean, just because I mean, well, it, they're going to go to college not, and they're going to learn a lot more I soccer mean, than pay to play. That's a big thing is always pay to play. Yeah. It, and, and, and you, br you bring up an interesting point because uh, I think that the, that the Toros organization is good. I mean, they already have like a nice solid base. Yes. They may want to recruit some of these kids to do kind of like their travel soccer ball with, uh, tra their travel teams as a Toros, as a U19 hmm. uh, type of thing. I, I I mean, you are absolutely right. The Valley is a little bit of a hotbed because they produced multiple state championship winners in the past. And w one of those examples is Isidro Martinez. Mm -hmm. Although he didn't go through the RGB Academy, he, he was a part of a process that, yes, you were – you you did everything here in the valley locally from uh, going to high school, uh, doing the Division One program, into doing the USL League uh, type uh, of league, and then you were a able to uh, to do your four years with UTRGV into the uh, professional stage. So yes, there, there's that to look at upon, and I'm pretty sure there's like many other cases here in the Valley that, okay, yes, we are lo loaded with a local high school talent. It's just a matter of, of the scout, of the scouts and the coaches that trying to, to bring them in to uh, compete like in a uh, professional environment. Cesar, go Cesar, at, in a best mm -hmm. of the best format. Cesar, uh, uh, last uh, words on this topic for you. Um, I'm going with what Jacob said that um, it was kind of, you are kind of asking for a recipe of disaster because like you said, you got two types of styles that are going to be implemented with, um, with the youth now going with, um, you know, the USL side of things and then the MLS side of things, but who knows, maybe they'll, maybe they'll be able to use both kinds of experience in their, um, you know, in their careers because sometimes, you know, some kids are even lucky to be just be in one type of uh, development academy. Yeah. But, um, you know, down here in the Valley, like Ray said, there it, it is kind of a hotbed because it has produced a lot of, you know, a lot of young talent with a um, prime example being Isidro Martinez. But, you know, as far as high school goes, um, 
it's you know these kids they're, they're in their not even in their prime they're barely reaching you know their peak performance they're barely tapping into their potential and yet they give so much effort who's to say that the valley won't be able to produce that much more talent um now that you know rgvfc is here and i do kind of want to make a rebuttal on uh race hold on what is going on here i do want to make a rebuttal on race what hello test why is yeah, it coming? Oh, okay, there we go. There we go. Uh, okay. I, I want to make a rebuttal on uh, race, uh, or actually it was Jacob's. Jacob's assessment of two different play styles. I think at the end of the day, uh, teams are going to implement their, their, their particular uh, play style, whether it's actually, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a similar style that the first team uh, has, whether it's USL or MLS, and I think at the I think at the end of the day, it serves as uh, the purpose of it is you're putting two different play styles, you're going to clash them together. Which one which one is more beneficial, or which one is going to uh, get you get you most of the wins? You know, it's not. I don't really see like all MLS academy uh, teams are going to have a homogeneous uh, play style that they have to follow in order to participate. I think each individual uh, participant is going to have their own type of play style, uh, how they're they're teaching these kids, and at the end of the day, the one with the the more uh, consistent play style, the the you know the the more um, efficient play style is going to come up is going to come up on top, you know, and all of that is I think it's going to help with the competitiveness of these academies going up against the best of the best of the uh, or what could be the best of the best of the nation. And hopefully that that'll uh, leak into the pipeline to when they make it to hopefully they make it to the first team, you know. I, I see it more as, as a plus. The organization side of it, there's still a big iffy, knowing how MLS handles things, knowing how USSF has handled the DA in the past, you know. But in theory, I do think that this is a uh, this is a good thing uh, for uh, the the RGBC Todos Academy. In regards to that, I know they did go live at 7 p.m. Uh, in their official Facebook page. Uh, so for all of us, all of y'all that are listening in, uh, that are listening uh, on the podcast, uh, be sure to uh, check that out. I will put, I'll be putting a link uh, on our social media so you guys can can listen to the the to the official word of the US of the RGBFC Todos Academy in regards to this decision of going into the uh, MLS uh, Youth uh, Youth Elite Development Academy or uh, Development League. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think for now, I think that's it, that, that's it for now. Uh, I know it's already going to be 9 o'clock. We've been two hours, uh, both in YouTube and, of course, uh, the local recording. Uh, so what's going to happen is I will be – well, number one, I'm going to have to do a lot of editing. Uh, usually more that that I'm usually accustomed to. Uh, work for, it out for you. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so because I have to, I have to pretty much make the, this uh, this video uploaded to uh, YouTube, but I've also got to make the podcast version. So how it's going to work? It's going to be I'm going to be uploading uh, Jerson Echeverry's, uh interview with us uh, separately as as its own separate ent- uh, segment. Uh, and then our discussion with some with these topic topics that have uh, come up during this uh, suspension uh, will be its its own different different episode uh, pre- uh, pretty much. So be sure to be on the lookout uh, for for those uh, episodes. If you guys have not subscribed, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash down in the valley. Uh, be sure to also check out our podcasts uh, on uh, Apple Music, Google uh, Music, or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Wrong term. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, be sure to check out uh, this and all the other previous episodes, including the Copa Texas episodes uh, that have been happening and coming along. Be sure to check out Ray's stuff at uh, South Texas Border Sports. He's also on YouTube. Just search for South Texas Border Sports. He's a lot more into the actual interviews of uh, players and coaches uh, after practices. Obviously not now because of COVID. Thank you, COVID. Uh, but during uh, when games were happening, you know, after the games, he's the man. He's the man that, that handles uh, the interview videos. So be sure to uh, support him and check out his YouTube channel. Um, I know uh, Jacob, you, you've got uh, Tip of Texas Sports Network, uh, where you talk a lot more uh, about uh, sports discussion with racing. 
uh, and even some soccer, some college football as well. You've been you've been doing that. Be sure to check out uh, his channel as, as well. Uh, follow him uh, uh, on his on his uh, social media. I know race. You are going as uh, STX Border Sports on, uh, or is it STX Athletics? I don't remember uh, yeah. on your Twitter. SOTX Athletics. With an X, right? Or yes, uh, or just type uh, Pro Sports RGB, and you, you'll find me there. Okay, and uh, Jacob, I know you. You are uh, on Twitter. You are uh, as Jacob Hello, Young four five six. Bandwidth again. Nice background, Jacob. Thanks. <laughs> I do like. I, I did one. Uh, how, how did you get that done? Uh, so yeah, I've been there. That's actually my picture. Love it, Coda, right? What's up? It's Coda. <laughs> that's it. That's at Coda at uh, Circuit of the Americas. Give it time. Give it time. <laughs> Jacob, can you hear me? Hello, hello. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes, I believe uh, you said that as Coda Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I can hear. I can hear you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully by next week. Everything will be back to normal once I'm back in my apartment and my badass uh, uh, internet. Um, yeah, but I was mentioning, yeah, so on Twitter, they can follow you at JacobYoung456. On t- Instagram, you're under JacobYoung99. Uh, you've, and you've also got your Twitch channel as well, right? Yeah, I haven't posted that. And Twitter is actually JacobYoung456. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I haven't posted on Twitch because it is ridiculous to post some stuff. It's shockingly harder than YouTube, even though YouTube has has sucked for a for a while now, especially in this quarantine. But that's to be expected. Other mm-hmm. than that, it's fine. And then Cesar, you are uh, court underscore easy, if I'm not mistaken, on Twitter. Yep. Although I don't really use Twitter as often as I use Instagram anymore. Give it a plug in that Instagram, bro. Matter of fact, I actually have a you know, Ray's got South Texas Border Sports, Jacob, you've got Tip of Texas Sports Network for your racing. I actually launched one, um, I think it was last year, and now I'm known as a uh, Quartz Golfing, yeah. So be sure to, to it's something be sure I've been to doing for the past years. And he's got a he's got a lot of good videos on how he's been uh, keeping up his form uh, during the during this uh, COVID. He you know he would post updates on how he's been doing in certain uh, golf courses here in the Rio Grande Valley. So if you guys are into golfing, be sure to check out Quartz Golfing uh, go- Golfing Quartz Golfing uh, on Instagram and check out his uh, pro- his process uh, in in his go- golfing abilities. So guys, you know, I really want to thank you all for taking the time to come in and discuss soccer. Sponsored by Flexio. I can't see it. Very good. No, I can't see it. No, no. Sorry, this camera don't got dual pixel autofocus. Seems legit. Well, but yes, (laughs) uh, he is sponsored by Flexio. So uh, uh, it's a a shameless plug, but we are open to that. Uh, you got to have your commitments. Um, also, you know, as, uh, as I, as I was going to say, you know, be sure to also check out our stuff and down in the Valley, uh, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at down in the RGV. Uh, like I said, all the podcasts, obviously also the, the website, DITVpodcast.com, uh, where we should be writing articles hopefully soon. Uh, as well. And I'll be posting, you know, the links to all of the, uh, podcasts, uh, for this particular episodes, uh, really appreciate you all taking the time to coming in discussing soccer after a long time of not being able to do so. I really missed you guys. I'm glad that you all are doing really well. Uh, uh, besides this, uh, besides the circumstances of us uh, having to be quarantined inside of our homes and you know not doing everything we would love to do, like going out to HEB Park and watching the game. But I mean, it it is what it is. Hopefully, things will be back to normal yeah. soon. And it's better than watching our team lose 4-0. So 5-0. That'll happen sometimes. <laughs> 5-0. Well, well, even worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know what they say. Uh, let bygones be bygones. Uh, but yeah, guys, um, thank you for joining us. And hopefully we should be back tomorrow. Things will be back to normal, hopefully, as regards to not having any connection issues and uh, being a, things a lot more stable. 
like I said, I'm with my family. Uh, I've passed, I did quarantine here with my family in McAllen, taking advantage that I had to work, uh, I could work from home. So the internet isn't that great here with, uh, in the Rio Grande Valley. Thank you, Spectrum. Uh, but I resent got, that. I'm using theirs right now. I mean, I'm using their, theirs <laughs> too. And this is what, this is what's happening. We're having so many issues and the, our internet speed isn't that bad, but you know, you know what they say, but thank you guys. Um, uh, <laughs> Be sure to check out our podcast. We'll see you all next week. Hopefully, we'll be back, and hopefully, we can actually have Kembo Kibato on as well. See you in the next one. Take care and have a good night.